We thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching from Metro Church. We hope this inspiring message will empower and enrich your life. We have been in this unshakable series, and we're, we're talking about the unshakable nature of God. We're talking about the unshakable nature of His kingdom, His purpose, and today, the unshakable nature of His people. And uh, for those that may have missed the last week or two, let's quickly kind of get everyone on the same page. We've been going through history for a little short moment, and if you're like, history, I hate history, don't do that. It's going to be super quick. You just weren't here the first one, which is a little longer, it'll be super quick. But the point is that we've seen the greatest kingdoms and empires of this world rise and fall from the Egyptian to the Persian to the Ottoman to the British Empire. Every empire before us has risen and it has fallen. Our history lesson has actually confirmed scripture. And uh, that's kind of what history does when you look back on it. It continues to confirm God's word. All earthly power, people, and kingdoms can be shaken. That's what history tells us, isn't it? And so what is the big takeaway? As God's word says, the big takeaway is that only God's kingdom is unshakable. And so you say, well, that's, that's cool. Uh, why are we talking about it? Well, because I'm pretty sure we don't always feel the fruits of what we're supposed to live in. What does that mean? Sometimes when we understand that we are given an unshakable kingdom, we are given the opportunity to receive, say, peace that surpasses understanding. All of these things that we can benefit from and live in, sometimes we find ourselves saying, but that's not my reality. So let's talk a little bit about that. We know that the world is continually being shaken, right? Jesus even likened it to birth pains. All the mamas in the house know what that's about. It comes in waves, and it gets worse as time goes on. And I think every generation believes it's the last generation, but what I do know is that every generation that exists further into the future is one generation closer to the return of Jesus, right? That's, that's not something far to go out on a ledge. It is. And so as we look at God's word, we see more than just the effects of the instability of the world, we see more than just the fallen world in its sin. We also see that in some ways God is creating the shaking himself. And so to get on the same page, let's look at the text we've been using the last few weeks. Hebrews 12, it says this. It says, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven. So obviously this is a warning, right? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is created things so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, Again, remember, whenever you read therefore in the scripture, you've got to go back and figure out what it's there for. Okay, context is king. And so when we look at this, he's talking about all the things that are shaking. And in fact, that God's voice is creating shaking. And he goes on to say, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Who's the we? God's people. God's people, the believers, right? Since we are receiving an 
a, a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably. That's something that can keep you awake at night. Not in a bad way, but just, God, am I living a life that is acceptable to you? God, is my worship acceptable to you? God, are my intentions acceptable to you? These are good questions to ask yourself if you want to be open, you know, open arms to everything God has for you. You know, and it goes on to say, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And so, through the acceptance of Jesus as Savior and Lord, we know we are part of God's family. Anybody got an amen for that? The Bible says that we become part of his family. I'm glad we don't just become another subject, although true family members that love their father are willing to be the subject. They're willing to serve, right? The greatest among you is servant of all, correct? But we get to be part of God's family, and as part of his family, we need to grow as a disciple or disciplined follower of Jesus. And in order to do that, I believe we need to grasp these things. Are you ready for some points? Number one, God's people are called to be unshakable. We're called to be unshakable. Say unshakable. Unshakable. We're called to be unshakable. If you are a child of God, you are called to be unshakable. That's not to say that the world won't shake. That we won't feel the rumblings. You are called to be part of God's people that even when the world shakes, you remain. That's the point. Back in verse 27, the, remo the removing of what can be shaken, that is what created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. We've talked about shaking things out of the carpet. Talked about how even the sticky candy that the kids left in the back seat of the car, if you shake it hard enough, that candy's going to come off. But what's not going to come off is the carpet that's attached and woven into the thread. See, when we accept Jesus, when we choose to be uh, followers of Christ, when we choose to uh, say, God, you know what? I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to pick up my cross, so to speak. I'm going to do the things you've called me to do. When we begin to walk in that manner, God says, ah, now you're part of my family. Something that even when I shake the world, you won't be shaken. You won't come apart at the seams. You won't be released you know, something that's, that I know is that we will experience the world's pressure. We're in a pressure cooker. Hello. We will experience the rumblings of the world. And the devil will do everything he can to shake you. I'm not saying he's not trying. In fact, Jesus was talking to Peter and he was talking to all the disciples before he was betrayed by uh, Judas. And remember in the conversation where Peter was saying, oh, they can all, uh, you know, deny you, but I'll never deny you. And Jesus actually tells Peter, the devil has asked and is trying to sift you. What is he saying? He's going to try and shake you loose. Jesus said, but I'm praying for you. Why? so that you wouldn't be shaken. So it doesn't mean the world's not trying. It just means it doesn't have to, it can't succeed if we stay in him. Are you with me? And someone goes, well, I know that scripture. Peter ended up denying Jesus. Yeah, but he ended up also becoming uh, everything that he ended up doing on behalf of the church when he came to his senses, when he had that revelation again, that he understood, okay, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to get it right. Sometimes there just needs to be more dog in the fight in our life. We need to be a stronger fighter to get back up. We need to just understand that if God still has air in our lungs, there's still purpose in our life. So let's not give up on ourselves just because we fell down yesterday. There's nothing worse than the woe is me mentality. 
Either you're a victim or you're a victor. You can't be both. Are you with me? And so God's people are called to be unshakable. Remember last week, I, I discussed with you the strength test. We talked about it. And again, I watched the Super Bowl last week. And what? There were all those crazy car commercials driving through the mountains, showing you that they can do all this crazy stuff. All it's trying to do is show you that the creator wants you to know it can handle more than you can throw at it. We understand strength tests. I dropped my phone and all of you grasped. But I knew that it had a 10-foot drop radius and this was only five. The strength test said it'd be fine. I'm here to tell you that the creator said you'll be fine. I'm here to tell you that the strength test says you are unshakable if you remain in him. So is the problem that you are fearing that you're shakable or that you're not in him? That's a question only you can ask and truly answer. Yes? And so, now some of you may be thinking, I understand I'm supposed to be unshakable, but that doesn't feel like my reality. Believing in Jesus and choosing to build an unshakable life are two decisions that must be made. What am I saying? Many that claim to believe in Jesus have not necessarily made the decision to keep building their daily life on the unshakable foundation. Oftentimes they try and have their previous life and habits coexist where they're, with their declaration of faith. They try and continue to walk the life they once lived but with some sort of cloak and shield called Jesus, but they haven't actually given up their life for Jesus. They haven't actually picked up their cross and followed him. They haven't actually denied themselves daily. Are you hearing me? And so, number one, God's people are called to be unshakable. Number two, build your life on what is unshakable. Remember, to say yes to Jesus and to begin building a life. Hey, that's, not, that's a wrong spelled word. You guys get that right. <laughs> Shouldn't be that extra A in there on the first one. Minions on my computer at night when I go to sleep. <laughs> Number two, build your life on what is unshakable. You know, what I, what I, when I think about this concept, I, I think about the scriptures where it's talking about the wise and the foolish builders. And it's talking about those that built on the sand and those that built on the rock. It says, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sands. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. See, there was a decision where you were going to build your life, where you were going to build the house. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man, it says in scripture. So how often do I find myself feeling like a foolish man because I know the word of God, I'm just not putting it into practice? That's a good thing. That's called holy conviction. That's a good thing. The problem is when you claim Jesus but have no conviction and don't feel anything towards not living the principles of his life. That's the scary part because you believe you're covered yet you're totally shakable. When we make God's purpose our own, we build our life on a rock that cannot be shaken. The more we rely on the temporal world to reassure us, make us feel safe and at peace, the more we will be disappointed, anxious, and unsure. 
So we make decisions every day as to what we will listen to, whose word we will believe, and what we will choose to accept. Only God's word is everlasting. So build on that. So what am I really saying? Let me encourage you to turn down the world's opinions and turn up the word's infallible truth and reality. Matthew 24 says this, Jesus, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. My words will never pass away. There's no shaking or fading to God's word. His promises are firm. Can I get an amen? 2 Corinthians says it this way, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What does amen mean? Let it be so. So the promise is yes in Christ. And what do we say? If he already said yes, I'm just going to say, let it be so. People feel as though we're commanding or demanding things of God, but God has already promised it. All we're saying is, let it be so. People say, how on earth could you pray like that? Who makes you think that you should be able to move God's hand? No, no, no. God already promised to move his hand. We're just saying, let it be so. We're just saying amen to the yes that Jesus already said. Anyone getting this? Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Anyone else got an amen there? So what am I saying? If God has promised it... We can be sure of it. Jesus made sure we understood that when he said, hey, none of my words are going to fade away. Everything else will be gone, but mine are going to persist. They're going to stay. So we need to build our lives on God's word and place our faith in Jesus. Look at Matthew here. Look what it says, Matthew, when uh, Jesus is talking to, to Peter. It says, but you, who do you say I am? What is this about? The context, he was just asking as they walked along the road. He asked all the disciples, who do people say I am? Because they've seen Jesus do all these miracles. They've seen him do amazing things. And some say, oh, some call you John the Baptist. And some, some say you're a great prophet and teacher. And then Jesus turns and says, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There's a number of things in here. Just keep the scripture up for a minute. Um, first of all, Peter, the name Peter translates to Petra, which literally means rock. Okay, on this rock. So when he started calling him Peter on this rock, there's this concept and understanding that, okay, he must have been talking to Peter, which he was, but he must have been talking of Peter as if he was the rock, and that's not what the context says. The context says, when you go back to the scripture, he says, um, after he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying the revelation that you just received to understand what you now understand, that came from heaven. What does that mean? It means God can communicate things through, to us through the Holy Spirit that comes directly from heaven. Hello. Anyone blown away yet? And what he's saying is, hey, based on your declaration of faith based on your revelation 
that's what I'm going to build my church on. Okay? So did I just help you understand all this? But here's the thing. If you want to live an unshakable life, you better have the foundation that you can build that is a rock. And it better be God's foundation. It's got to be his realities, not the world's opinions. It's got to be truth, not kind of true. You ever heard that? Like, oh, that's kind of true. Like, no, it's either true or it's not. Well, two things to me. Look, I understand in the science world, you can have two different things that kind of work when it does that. But what I'm telling you, God's word is, is it's this infinite nature, right? I understand you can have a, one of those little dogs that are both cockadoodle and poodle, and it's a cockapoo, but it's still a dog. Still a dog. Well, kind of. Isn't it like a cat dog? Anyway, the point is there's a truth that is true, and we just understand that if we build our life on God's truth, it becomes a firm foundation. Enough about dogs or itty-bitty cat dogs. So we are only unshakable if our foundation remains Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, it says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. What's the word saying? There's going to be no one else. This is it. This is the foundation. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. There's so much in there. And I could really try and dissect this whole thing, but I don't have time because you guys all have to get out of here for another service. But what I will say is this. There's plenty of things that we invest in. There's plenty of things that we focus on that at the end of the day is going to mean nothing. It's going to burn away when everything burns. It's going to be gone when everything shakes, when the world quakes. It's going to go. And just as I said with that sand castle that we build every year, my family and I, we build it right on the edge of the high tide line so that we watch at the end of the day all of our hard work. We didn't let some crazy kid come by and stomp on it. Who wants to do that? No, I want to watch the destruction. Is that weird of me? So anyway, we build it right where we watch high tide take it away. And it's always this reminder to me that everything I build can be swept away in one fell swoop. On that day, everything can be gone if it's not what mattered. Understanding that we need to build our lives on the rock and executing daily decisions that shake-proof our life, we need to understand that's what separates us. It's what makes us different. So if some of you know this to be true because you are trying to build on the rock but are currently feeling the shakes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I've said yes to Jesus, but my reality, I still feel plenty of shakes. I still have shaking going on. And maybe you can agree with this statement. Why am I shaking when I'm called to be part of the unshakable kingdom? Well, I want to give you some keys to help shake-proof your life. I'm calling it the ABCs to making your life shake-proof. Ready for this? A, discipline your mind. Discipline your mind. The same way we have to discipline ourselves in breaking bad habits, we must discipline our minds from believing old lies. You know the old lies. Whatever one is the one that you've bought into that you need to stop believing, you need to have a little powwow 
with yourself. You need to talk to somebody to keep you accountable and to speak life into that situation. But you need to stop believing the old lies that you'll never overcome that habit, that you'll never see reconciliation in the family, that you'll never find that right person or that you'll never get that job. Stop believing the old lie. All it's doing is creating anxiety and it's giving the devil the reins of your life. We think that the devil is just so powerful and he's so, he's so smart and he's, he's so these things. No, you just continue to hand the reins of your life over by the lies you believe. You've, you know, every time he's done messing up your world, he just pushes that, the easy button. That was easy. Like you just did it. And then you give him all the credit for it. Stop believing the lies. Let me say it this way. You are creating unnecessary shaking by the lies you keep believing. We were created to bear or withstand more than we give ourselves credit for. But at times we try to keep bearing the weight of things we were meant to let go. B, learn your limits and find your exits. Learn your limits, find your exits. I've heard this scripture I'm about to read. You know, it's, it's quoted a lot of times, but I want to actually read it all the way through to get to the very end of it that's oftentimes not as part of the, the quotes. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Anyone ever heard that? God will never give you more than you can handle, right? But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, oftentimes we say, oh, God will never give you more than you can handle. But we forget the fact that there's an off-ramp and God is trying to help you get off. And we hang out too long, assuming we can continue to bear it. And then we fall. You've got to find your limits. And more important than anything else, you've got to uh, find your exits. You've got to find the off-ramp. If we want to shake-proof our life, we must change our focus from whether we can bear this any further to looking for the way out that God is creating. Maybe it's the person that you continue to turn down because they're saying all the things you don't want to hear, but they're actually giving you the truth that you needed to hear. And if you would just take the exit, if you would just uh, swallow the pride and, and follow wise counsel, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you'd get yourself out of there. I've learned through, the, uh, through experience personally, the times I found myself falling into temptation or coming up short, I didn't take the off-ramp that presented itself earlier. I didn't notice it. It was my chance to escape and I missed the exit. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about when it comes to you and your situations. And you look back on it and you go, man, I wish I just hadn't gone there that night. I wish I had just followed that unction I had, that moment of, I wish I hadn't thought that. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I had stopped the argument before I said that. Anyone? Oh, it's just me. Okay. <laughs> C, we have to retrain our minds. Retrain your mind. If I'm called to live an unshakable life, I need to renew my mind, as the scripture says. One of my favorite scriptures, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. When I read this scripture, it says, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. We're active in renewing our minds. It's up to us to renew our minds. And so the, the fact is we just think because we love God and because we go to church, our mind is going to be renewed. No, you're to renew your mind by the discipline of choosing not to think on things you shouldn't think and to get into God's word and to read his word and to believe his word and to sit at the hard scriptures. You know what I'm talking about? Some of you, you just need to pull up a stool. You need to open the scripture to the one you don't like and you just need to sit there and read it 
and then read it again and then read it again and then whine about it and then say, God, this isn't fair. I don't like this one. Why is this one here? And then read it again. Holy Spirit, help me because I don't like this one. And then read it again. And then ponder. Maybe something God wants you to understand that you haven't understood before. Maybe go and talk to somebody about that scripture you don't like rather than acting like it doesn't exist. Because maybe, just maybe, when you go and talk to some multitude of counsel, when you go and talk to some people that have been a little further down the road, and they help give you context on how God's protecting you, rather than you just thinking he's taking all the fun out of life. I'll move on, but we need to retrain our minds. Letter D, learn to cast your cares. The best way to keep things from threatening your peace is to quickly give it to God. He's big enough. You can give it to him. 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Another one, Psalm 55, Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. He will never let you be shaken. He will never let you be uh, displaced. Hello? It's God who makes us unshakable, but we've got to build on the rock. We've got to make his kingdom our kingdom. We've got to make his purpose our purpose. We've got to understand that our people should be his people that are going to encourage us in the right things, not the wrong things. When you feel uncertainty grip you, rather than shaking, begin stirring. Stir your faith. Remind yourself God cares, that he wants to help you through this. And then cast your cares. All right, God, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm going to stay true to you. I'm going to stay on this path, but I need you to turn up. I need you to show up. And so I'm just going to give this to you. I'm running out of time, but you can jot down Philippians 4 for yourself, but I've got to go to letter E. 4, 4 through 7 would be a good one for you to check out on your own time when you open the Bible yourself. Letter E, be alert and ready to resist. If you want to shake-proof your life, be alert and ready to resist. 1 Peter 5 says, be alert and sober and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. That's a fun one to say fast. Looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith. Because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What is that? That's just like, hey, you don't have to feel so bad for yourself because this is happening. The devil is trying to do this all around the world. You're not alone. I almost broke out in a song. But we have to be alert and we've got to be ready to resist. You need to stand firm in your faith. F, remember God will restore your strength rather than allowing a shaking. Remember, restoration is coming. This, this ability for God to restore us. Some of us, we feel like we've been in this 12-round bout. We feel exhausted. We feel tired. The resisting has been so much. The standing firm has been so exhausting. We need to remind ourselves. We need to remember that God is going to restore us. It says in 1 Peter 5, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. You feel like, I just, I have nothing left in the tank. God's coming to restore you. Don't give up yet. Stand firm. Stand your ground. Stay there understanding God is going to show up. 
God is going to turn up. He's going to change your situation. He's going to make all things work together for the good of those who believe. Amen to that. And he's going to restore. He's going to bring life. He's going to bring strength. Yes? I'm excited about it. And lastly, G. God's, uh, make God's purpose your purpose. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And for those, or for those who are called according to his purpose. See, if I can make his purpose my purpose, if I can be about my father's business, just as Jesus said, if I can focus on his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If I can understand that he's going to bring me the daily bread, if I can continue to focus on his purpose, which is about his people, which is about spreading his gospel, the good news of Jesus, which is about seeing others come to Christ so that they too can be part of the family of God. If I can continue in those things, my purpose becomes his purpose. And then what does that mean? All things work to the good. It may not always feel good, but it's going to work for the good. God's unshakable kingdom is built on the foundation of God's rule. So what am I saying? When the Lord is king in your life, over your life, these things will follow. Look at it as I finish up. Psalms 96 says this. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. When he is king, right? Say, say among the nations, the Lord is king. The world is firmly established and it shall never be moved. See, when you make Jesus king of your life, when you make God your king, you begin to live in the promises that you, because you're part of his king, kingdom, because you're living according to his purpose, and you're part of his people, you become unshakable. Now, that is worth an amen. It's worth a hallelujah. It's worth a thank you, Jesus. But what I will say is that making a decision for Jesus, it's the ultimate, most important thing you could ever do, but it's the beginning. Then you've got to build a shake-proof life. You've got to build a life according to God's word. Some of you need to stop believing the lie where you think that you and God are good, but you've never actually pursued any of God's purposes for your life. This is a challenging word in some ways, but it's actually just a reaffirming and encouraging word for many. If you're here and you're sitting here thinking like, okay, you know, I've kind of been running from God. I've been a Jonah. I come to church, but I don't pursue his purpose in my life. I don't, I don't obey his word. Maybe today is a wake-up call. You need to understand you need to be about his purpose. Maybe this is the first time you've been in church. Maybe you're watching online because someone shared it and you're like, why am I still watching this? Because God's got you. He's got you in his mind. He loves you. He's thinking about you. And it's not a coincidence that you're watching right now. Because he wants you to know that he sent his only son to die for you so that you, rather than having to die eternally, could choose to live for him, which brings an eternal reward. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching from Metro Church.